0: are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to discuss Warrior, which came out 10 years ago this month, in 2011, and was directed by Gavin O'Connor. in the neighborhood was, right? I want to know the toughest man on the planet is. That's what we're going to find out. Brendan, it's me. Pop. What are you doing here? Tommy's back. Did he say if he wants to see me? I'm proud of you, Tommy. What you did for that kid in the tank. What was I supposed to do, let him drown? Tommy Reardon. You saved my life. Look, Brendan, the bank has got to go by the new appraisal figures. You're upside down on your mortgage. How much do you need? I didn't come in for long, Frank. I was hoping that you would train me. Are you serious? Do it! I thought we agreed that we weren't going to raise our children in a family where their father gets beat up for a living. Brendan, you're a teacher. You got no business in the ring with those animals. Actually, I used to be one of those animals. I guess I forgot to put that down in my application. It stars Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, Nick Nolte, Jennifer Morrison, and Frank Grillo. The genre would be sports drama. Warrior just might be the greatest Rocky movie ever, though not actually featuring Rocky, nor even within that universe. This film has pretty much all of the necessary elements. The aging fighter in his 30s who's bruised and battered, a gruff and barely intelligible father figure slash trainer, a blue-collar setting in Pennsylvania, training montages in those settings, And of course, an unexpected chance at glory, which comes through a crazy set of circumstances, mainly resulting from being in the right place at the right time. Warrior does the Rocky formula even better, though, by being a story about two such fighters. Two brothers, actually. Tommy and Brendan Conlon, who are played by Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, respectively. There is literally nothing said nor done by either of these actors that hasn't been said or done before in dozens of sports underdog stories. And yet... Their heartfelt performances and the brilliant way the collision of their stories is written and structured by O'Connor and co-writer Anthony Tambakis results in something that's genuinely rousing and touching. Nick Nolte plays their father, Paddy Conlon, who is a recovering alcoholic recruited by Tommy, played by Tom Hardy, to train him for an upcoming Open MMA tournament. Paddy is pretty much the Mickey of this story, except that he's really not. He's barely hanging on when Tommy finds him, Desperately cling to sobriety through religion. What about cool boy? What about him? I told him I don't train with people that I don't know. Mm, the devil you know. Excuse me. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Yeah. yeah. That'd be kind of like old times. I just told you this doesn't mean anything. Now get that through your skull right uh-huh. now. When I'm walking. All right. All right. But you get something through your skull, too. You called me, so don't go threaten to walk every five minutes. And since this is about training, you dump whatever it is you need to dump as far as those pills are concerned. I don't want to see him. In fact, hand them over right now. Patty was basically a horrible father to both brothers as he abused them and their mother. And this led to Tommy eventually running away with the mother just as she was becoming fatally ill, no less. Both brothers were supposed to go off with her, but Brendan, played by Joel Edgerton, stayed back because he fell in love with a woman that he would eventually marry and have two children with. And after their mother died, unbeknownst to Brendan, Tommy, played by Tom Hardy, then joined the Marines and served in the Iraq War. He did some very heroic things before going AWOL, while Brendan became a schoolteacher who also moonlights as an amateur MMA fighter to help pay the bills since his home is about to be foreclosed. Look, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe. What's this? You know, look, look, the school district is not going to tolerate teachers cockfighting and strip clubs. It, it was a parking lot of a strip club. Wherever it was, you can't be doing it. All right? I mean, this is a serious... Shit, he's here. This is a serious problem. You say yes, sir, and you say no, sir, and you say it will never happen again, sir. And then we just pray to God that he's in a good mood. UFC? Yeah. Son of a bitch. Neither brother has communicated with the other for many years. And of course, Brendan also finds out about this upcoming MMA tournament. The tournament's called Sparta. And the plot just thickens from there. Woo! That's a lot of setup, isn't it? Anyone would be forgiven for finding all of this to sound very melodramatic on paper, at the very least. It's to the credit of efficient, straightforward storytelling from O'Connor that we pretty much learn all of this within the first 45 minutes. It's all presented organically through dialogue, which never drifts too much into exposition, and it feels pretty authentic thanks to the cast. These are all interesting characters with their own unique traits, including Frank Grillo, who eventually joins the story as Brendan's trainer, and Jennifer Morrison, who plays his supportive, yet no bullshit wife, Tess. I'm in. I'm going. Really? It's your decision? You decided? So You know, I really enjoyed the conversation we just had about making that decision together. You told me you were going to fight guys that watched too much UFC saw the COBA dude on the television, and he's the guy they're watching. It's a lot of money I don't give a shit about the money, Brendan. I told you that. And end up cashing in your life insurance policy before we pick up that prize money. You don't think I can do it, right? I think you could get killed. Everyone is just allowed to just be living through their own personal story, which makes it all the more compelling when those stories start to intersect. Now Tom Hardy is definitely going for something playing Tommy here, along the lines of old school Marlon Brando. Apparently approximating an Eastern Pennsylvania accent, he doesn't say a lot though, and that's why his performance works so well. His Tommy is clearly someone who has seen some shit. He has a huge chip on his shoulder, and he's on a single-minded mission to win that prize purse for someone. Hardy has always been just one of those gifted physical actors who can say a lot with very little. It's also why we're drawn to him and want to see where his story goes. And now that brings me to Joel Edgerton. Edgerton is just pitch perfect as the everyman Brendan who dotes on his two young daughters. We're first introduced to him at one of their birthday parties as he's literally dressed as a princess while they're painting his face. It's really adorable. He's endearing and relatable. Edgerton plays this palooka with such an aw quality we just cannot help but root for him. And then there's Nulty. Wow. He plays the desperate, gravelly-voiced sad sack as well as anyone could. He has several scenes that are just with Hardy, which are both awkward and kind of heartbreaking. His son has not forgiven him for anything, and he makes that clear. It's completely understandable why Tommy, Tom Hardy's character, would act so hostile to him, but that doesn't make it any easier to watch as we see all of the pain and regret in Nolte's weathered face. Nick Nolte was justifiably nominated for an Oscar for this. You bastards! God you. Stop the ship! Please stop the ship. Stop the ship. stop the ship! stop the ship! You godless son of a bitch! You stop the ship! You godless son of a bitch! But of course, the main draw for the second half of this film has to be the fighting which I admit to knowing nothing about, and the training, of course. Once we're inside that octagon, all of it looks exciting and dangerous and punishing. The geography of every fight is clearly laid out, as is the strategy, at least for a layman like myself to understand. The whole emphasis towards not, quote, tapping out, becomes increasingly clear as we delve further into the Sparta tournament, which pretty much comprises the last hour of this film. And that's plenty enough to go on. It just becomes a game of survival, if nothing else. And what could be more cinematic than that? The tables have turned, and the Boy Scout is actually wrestling with the fans! Teachers spring off the fence and go for a mountain. was on the back, not allowed to with Brennan, and his endless bag of submissions. McCook trying to reestablish his dominant brutal shots in the face, but Tomlin's showing no fear. This is a fight! We have got ourselves a fight! Rolls for a new He's, deep, got a Whoa. He's got it very deep! He's got it very, very deep! He's deep on that knee. He's staying with us. He's got a lot of pain. It's the midnight night We saw this against the day, Dana. We're seeing it here. We're in Collins. columns. We're in the columns. The first man in the beat. We're in the columns. Not running out. It's Colin and break. Break. He's He's down. Colin Ritchie, that needs longs worth. He's putting everything he has into it. No, no, break no. He's not screaming it. It's all shot with craft and minimal flash by director of photography Masanobu Takayagi, if I'm pronouncing it right, whose clean-but-no-frills style has become increasingly familiar to me with several other recent gems that he's also done effective cinematography for, including Spotlight, The Grey, Black Mass, and even the recent Stillwater, which I've been hearing good things about. One thing each of these films apparently has in common is a feeling of authenticity. Everything is ground level, and that authentic feel certainly helps to ground this story. And once that Sparta tournament in Atlantic City kicks in, the film just builds and builds towards that final fight. Now, there's no need to explicitly spoil what happens, though unfortunately many of the trailers and the posters for this movie upon release did just that. Let's just say that it takes on levels of emotion that you don't completely see coming. Rewatching this again, I still find myself completely torn as to where I would have liked to have seen each character go. It doesn't even matter, though, because the last 10 minutes of this film, helped in no small part by a very stirring needle drop by Rock Band The National, it takes on a power which is undeniable. It remains one of the great endings. And if you let this film take you there, it becomes quite the ride. And that brings me to the categories. Of course, the first category is Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film because music is essential to film. Now, about The National. I had never heard of this Ohio-based rock band before seeing this movie, but apparently I should have because they produced quite a stirring anthem for the conclusion of this film that just pretty much knocks me on my ass every time I see it and hear it. Now, I wouldn't dream of spoiling how this film ends, but needless to say, it's quite emotional. And even though much of the credit for how well this ending works is actually due to the raw performances of both our main stars along with just the right notes from their co-stars as well, including Morrison and Nolte, with just a few glances on both of their faces in a few key moments. No, but what really nails this scene is the slow-building percussion of this song from drummer Brian Devendorf, the strumming acoustic guitars from Aaron Dessner, and the calm baritone of lead singer Matt Berninger as we see this final fight finally end, and then the song just builds and builds and builds. It's the only thing we really hear for the rest of the movie. There's no more dialogue, and the song just takes over as it becomes this cathartic wall of sound that takes us right to a final image of both brothers, and then roll credits. The song is called About Today. And that brings me to the next category, and that would be Wasted Talent. The Wasted Talent is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. (sighs) Sigh. Um, I remember seeing this on opening weekend in a mostly empty theater with a friend and wondering at the end of it, why the hell aren't there more people in this theater? Seriously, when you think of the expression crowd pleaser, this is that movie. And yet, sadly, this film really underperformed at the box office, despite a lot of critical acclaim at the time of release. It ended up making about $23 million worldwide on a $25 million budget. Just sad. Warrior has developed somewhat of a cult following over the past 10 years through streaming and cable, but this is still a film made for the big screen, to be seen with an audience, a packed audience. And the real waste here is that more folks haven't seen it that way. Next category is the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Needless to say, both brothers end up in the Sparta tournament in Atlantic City. And probably about 60% of the way through the movie, we finally see them meet for the first time in years, and talk. It's all pretty dramatic, as they walk over to each other in the middle of the night on a dark beach, with the lights of Atlantic City behind them. And as written, this scene is just kind of all cliche. And I have to admit that I chuckled just a little bit when I first saw this, hearing some of the things coming out of Tommy's mouth. Tommy's played by Tom Hardy it creeps ever so closely into melodrama. But both actors really sell it, and what really makes this scene work is just how brief it is. Because O'Connor, the director, is smart enough to know to end it at just the right spot. Seeing these two brothers finally encounter each other and airing their grievances, it pretty much sets the rest of the story in motion. And that's your trailer moment. Shit, Tommy, how's was I supposed to know I was never going to see you guys again? Yeah, well, you were briefed. You had the information. You chose the old man and the, and the girl. She wasn't just some girl. I married him. She's my wife. See? That's Tess. That's Emily and Rosie. They ain't nieces, Tommy. I don't know them. No, you don't know them. Of course you don't know them. So why am I looking at pictures of people I don't know? Because so that's my family. And who are you exactly? I'm your brother, man. And that brings me to the final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. The MVP has to be Gavin O'Connor, who, in my opinion, has directed one of the best sports dramas of the 21st century. This is pretty much a Rocky movie without Rocky, and part of what makes it work so well is to have basically two underdog stories diverge into one in a very seamless way that leaves you satisfied with the journeys that both underdogs have taken. To achieve that, you need acting, writing, cinematography, canny editing, all of it. But most of all, you need a strong director to pull it all together. And what O'Connor has done is craft a compelling drama, which also respects the sport that it's portraying, which is no small feat, especially for someone like me, who doesn't really understand MMA. O'Connor had actually done this several years prior as well. He directed 2004's Miracle, which was an account of the inspiring true-life rise of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, which features what, in my opinion, is the greatest career performance from Kurt Russell. Russell's performance as the coach Herb Brooks in that film was an extremely tricky one, which, like the performances of the two main leads in Warrior, seemed to be a balancing act between subverting cliches while also occasionally relishing in them. In all three cases, we watch as these characters hit the inspiring notes we have come to expect from an underdog sports drama. But when it happens, it still feels earned and unexpected. From what I remember, 2011 was a mixed year for films overall. But there were some real gems, including 50-50, Contagion, Shame, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But in my opinion, Warrior just tops all of them. Happy 10th anniversary to a modern classic. My rating for Warrior would be 5 stars out of 5. This is a fantastic film that has just aged better every time I've seen it. And if you're looking for it, it's currently streaming on Peacock TV. And that ends another Ultimate Review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema.